Into the darkness there came light. And the heavens glowed with the brilliance of a new star. And on earth, in an humble stable of Bethlehem, there was born the Christ child. Thus was the beginning of Christmas. Christmas fantasy, and in the magic circle of Christmas, a thousand, yea, a million dreams are renewed. A child's dream of reindeer hooves on the roof, a maiden's dream of mistletoe kisses, mankind's unfaded dream of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Christmas fantasy will light the multicolored hues of Christmas. Each light will portray a legend and story, trace the rhythm of a poem, stitch in the faded outline of an ancient superstition, until, gathered together, engraved on the heart and memory of man, they become the living portrait of Christmas fantasy. To bring you Christmases of every land and lay their richness of legend and lore on your doorstep, here is your host, Robin Morrow. A holiday hello to you. Today I shall unravel a true story of a young priest, a young organist, and the birth of our most beautiful Christmas carol, and another of how the white hollyberry became red. Before our stories, a yuletide note of today from a friend of ours. Today's Facts and Fantasies of Christmas. When a man is young and new at his first job... A lot of things matter that might in after years be passed by with a smile or a shrug. Father Moore was young and only 26 
And St. Nicholas in the little Austrian town of Obenoff was his first church. Things mattered. They mattered very much to this young and eager priest of the Alps. And the thing that mattered most was the broken organ. Here it was almost Christmas. Several special services had been scheduled, and to make them impressive and memorable, the organ would be needed. Somehow he must bring them at Christmas something that would lift the heart, something that would make the silence of the organ unimportant to them and to himself. He walked out of the cold little church and along the snowy path that flanked the hill above the village. How quietly, how silently the little town slept under the towering shelter of the Salzburg Alps. And over it hung stars, unwavering bright, suspended in the hushed silence. Father Moore paused, caught spellbound in the hush of night between snow and stars. He had never written a poem in all his life, and in all the life that was to come, he would never, so far as anyone knew, write another poem. But a poem came to him, grew of itself within his mind on this starlit night. It came to him complete, perfect to the last word, and he hastened home, and by midnight, he was writing it down on paper so he would not forget. The next morning, Father Moore was early at the door of his young friend, Franz Gruber, who played the organ, when the organ was in shape to be played. He wondered if, perhaps, Franz Gruber could write music to go with these words of his, this poem. Franz, too, was young, only 31, and just an organist and music teacher, no composer. But he, too, seemed touched with inspiration and music flowed out of him to match the words the young priest had written. Between them, they had a song. Between them, they had created something fresh and new for the Christmas service at the church. They would sing it together to the strumming of Franz Gruber's guitar. Came Christmas Eve, the organ builder turned up at last and began scattering parts of the ailing organ all over the floor. But now it didn't matter about the organ, for Father Moore and Franz Gruber had something better to give the people of Oberndorf and to the world. They had a new song to sing and how they sang it. They sang it. The resounding voices of the villagers repeated it, and the wandering organ builder, too, joined in the melody and in the words. Long after Christmas... When the organ builder returned to Salzburg, he repeated the song to the Strasser sisters, who were famous at that time all over Europe for their folk singing. And the song, born in a priest's heart as he stood hushed between snow and stars, began its travel all around the world. Like the best songs, like the story of Christmas itself, the Christmas fantasy, the song of the priest and the organist, was so simple that anyone could learn it. So moving that no one could ever forget it. No. That song that brings us all back again to the hushed waiting of a quiet world and unchanging stars. Us, you and I, waiting for a Christmas on a silent night.
yesterday's fantasies, today's facts. Next, a wish at Christmas. But first, a Christmas note for today from a friend of ours. Christmas fantasy of today as we sit beneath the Christmas tree in front of the hearth. by the Christmas tree. We have trimmed it once again. It stands a glowing symbol in the humble hearts of men. It captivates the children and holds them in great awe. In their wandering eyes behold the sight which first the Christ child saw. They view the glistening tinsel and the brightly colored balls, the very colored shimmering lights cast shadows on the walls. The sturdy balsam branches brought lately from the woods will soon be drooping with the weight of Santa's precious goods. And underneath is scattered round a great array of things, queer animals of every sort, and a bird it never sings. A tiny church, a mirrored pond, where swim a duck or two. A lighted house with chimney bright, and Santa dropping through. I stand and view the picture with reverence in my heart, for the eyes of many children are a separate thing apart. But somehow, I keep wishing Father Time would be beguiled to let me see a tree once more through the wandering eyes of a child.
Christmas fantasy holds a pageantry of history and legend, and around it all, twining through the pattern, is the unfading glory of how the white hollyberry became red. We'll hear that story after this word from a friend of ours. surprise you to learn that the hollyberry wasn't always a red and green symbol of the yuletide. Time was when the holly bore berries of snowy white, berries that looked like pearls. Like all living things beneath the star, the holly wished to serve the child born on the first Christmas day, but it seemed destined never to be. A donkey carried him, Bamba played with him through childhood. Other trees furnished the wood that shaped the manger in the stable, and later his cradle and his toys. Other wood felt his hands and tools as he worked in his father's carpenter shop. And always aching to serve him, 
The holly was ignored and passed by. It seemed to the holly that all the world shared in the life of a man born to bring it peace. And in the final terror and glory of his story, another wood again was chosen for his cross. Holly alone of all growing living things in the world seemed forgotten in his life. And then as the cross moved toward Calvary, carried on his bowed shoulders, someone thought to mock him. Rude hands tore the holly from its mooring in the rocks and wove it with another thorny branch into a mocking coronet. If he's a king, the jester shouted, he should have a crown. And he pressed the rude circle of thorns upon the unbowed head. Knowing nothing of how death could be triumph over life, knowing nothing of how the shame of crucifixion would this day be transformed into a symbol of hope. The holly knew only heartbreak. It had asked to serve, and now it served in a most bitter way. And so upon the cross, the holly served in its own way. Yes, holly crowned a king and bled in suffering sympathy. And so it is that in Christmas fantasy from that day to this, the holly berries have been crimson bright. And down the centuries, the holly has been honored as an unfading symbol of the Christmas story. In fact, some people believe that holly has been blessed with a special power of its own. And that if you fasten it to your door at Christmas time, nothing evil can come through the doorway for an entire year. To ward off ill health, theft, misfortune, just fasten to your door the unfading bright crimson buried symbol of Christmas, the holly berry. and fantasies of Christmases gone by continue to pass in review. And yet, one of the happiest marks of today's Christmas 
is visits we share with loved ones. In a moment, after a word from a friend of ours. Nothing so brightens the holidays as our visits with loved ones. I watch them at the depot, the mothers at the gate, who ask the age-old question, is the train on time or late? The annual tears of gladness, the same sweet laughter gay, the loved ones home returning. To spend this Christmas day. I watch them staring, peering along the railroad track and think how glad the season that brings the loved ones back. How long and bleak the absence of those obliged to roam. But oh, the joy of Christmas which brings the children home. A glorious happy moment. When love flings wide the door, the family united, the table filled once more. The mother and the father, the grand folks all content. Oh, little child of Bethlehem, all this your coming meant.
As our Christmas fantasy rolls in, we've turned to a red ripe apple. And what do apples have to do with Christmas? Well, they make good eating by a Yule fire for one thing. But more than that, a red apple holds the Christmas star in its heart. Just cut an apple in two crossways of the stem, and you'll see across it a pattern like a star. If the star is perfect, Bohemian superstition says, your luck will be good for a year. And if each point of the star holds an apple seed, there's no limit to the good fortune you can expect. But if the star shape inside the apple is misshapen, look for things to go wrong. Or so they say in Bohemia. In Ireland, on the other hand, they don't consult the heart of the apple to see what fortune, good or bad, the year will bring. Instead, they peel the apple in one continuous long peeling. An Irish lass who wants to discover who she'll marry tosses such a peeling over her left shoulder and then tries to decipher the twisted peel as it lies on the floor. <laughs> Maybe you've done the same thing. Here is a P.S. to today's Christmas fantasy about a lazy cook. Seems that a long time ago, there was a special little bread baked for Christmas. It was a crusty bread covered with salt crystals, and it was baked in the form of a circle to symbolize eternity, centered with a cross which divided time into four seasons. One year, a chef who was in a hurry tried making the design cut of one long strip of dough. It could almost be done, but not quite. One-fourth of the circle had to be left out. Well, thought he, small matter, so he baked them that way, and what came out? Pretzels. Sure enough, pretzels. Now a year-around favorite with most everyone were once a symbol of Christmas and reserved only for Yule time. <laughs> From the brilliance of a new star, we have found our way to the Christmas of today. I'll be back with you again to further explore the fantasy, in fact, that is known as Christmas. Another time when you and I may again watch the passing parade of legend, lore, poetry, and music on Christmas Fantasy. <laughs> has been another in the series of Christmas programs, Christmas Fantasy. Programs that will follow the beacon of candles glimmering within the holly wreaths the world around. Programs that will gather the Christmases of every land to bring their richness of legend and lore to your doorstep and your Christmas. Christmas Fantasy was written and narrated by Robin Morrow. This is Jack Willis inviting you to be with us again when we weave again another spell that has become the fantasy and fact of Christmas. Christmas.